reasons, but they're not the same. Mercy is when God doesn't go cause us to face consequences of the things that we deserve. Mercy is when God has, gives us a break. That is mercy. Grace is not just God giving us a break. Grace is God empowering us, enabling us to be and to do what He has called us to be and to do. That is grace. Grace is a force. It's not permission. It's not a permit to fool around, to play around with sin. Grace is not a permit for sin. Grace is God's empowerment so we do not sin. I need a bigger amen from this house. Amen. Grace is empowerment so we can do the will of God. Because outside of grace, we cannot do the will of God. Hallelujah. We cannot do the will of God in our own flesh. We need the grace of God to do what God calls us to do, to be what God has called us to be, to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. For that we need enablement, empowerment from God called grace. Glory to God. So it's a big term, it's a big word that um, is about empowerment. Enablement. Now, if we miss it, then there is mercy and forgiveness. And we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But that really is mercy, although it is also an expression of His goodness and His grace in that sense of just God being gracious to us. But really... Mercy and grace are not exactly the same thing. So a lot of people use the term grace when they really mean mercy. Okay? And it's important for us to understand that, that grace is a divine enablement from God. Let's go to 2 Timothy 2 verse 1. Therefore, now this is 1 Timothy we're in. And let's go to 2 Timothy 2 verse 1. You therefore, my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace that is where? Where is this grace? So this grace is in Christ Jesus. And Paul is saying to his son Timothy, My son, be strong in this grace. Now, if this grace was mercy, it wouldn't make a lot of sense. Be strong in this mercy. In other words, do what you want. It's okay. It's covered. Do as you please. Be strong in this. Take full advantage of the mercy of God. That doesn't make sense. He's not saying that. He's saying be strong in the grace. The grace of God is the ability of God. Hallelujah. It is the ability of God that comes from the life of God, the nature of God, the spirit of God, the word of God, the favor of God. This is the ability that God gives to us 
in Christ Jesus so that we can do what God wants us to do and be what He has called us to be. Let's go to Second John 1 verse 3. Second John 1 verse 3. That which we have seen and heard and declared, we declare to you, that you may fellowship with us. Hold on. That's first epistle. I need to go to the second epistle. 1 verse 3. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you. Let's see that very... You know, one of the things about reading the Word of God, you've got to learn to read the Word of God slowly. What I mean by read it slowly is follow the thought. Follow what it is saying. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you. Alright? So these are, um, this is God saying, these are things I want to abound in you. God wants us to have mercy, praise God. But He wants us to have grace and peace also from, watch where they come from, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ the Son of the Father, in truth and love. So grace is from God the Father, and it's from the Lord Jesus Christ. And we now know that this grace is in Christ Jesus. Someone say, in Christ Jesus. Now this is very, very key. Because we need to then understand that we need to live our lives based on being in Christ Jesus. The whole significance of Passover... The whole significance of this whole celebration that where people, believers come together to celebrate uh, the death, the burial and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ takes us to this point that Jesus' intention, praise the Lord, was in redeeming us, praise God, was to take us out of Adam and bring us into Christ. See, when we're born, when we're born, we're born into Adam. We're descendants of Adam. Are you with me? All right. Are you still with me? All right. So, we're descendants of Adam, and therefore, when Adam sinned, we all sinned and came short of the glory of God. Okay? So, we're born in sin. But now, Jesus did not just come to forgive us of our sins. Why would that not have been complete? It would not have been enough for him to come forgive us of our sins and still leave us in Adam. Because if he still left us in Adam and forgave our sins, we just keep on sinning more. And therefore, we end up with the people thinking that I'm a sinner saved by grace. In other words, nothing has changed. I just sin as much as I used to sin. The only difference now is that I am saved by grace. Well, no wonder unbelievers don't want what we have. Because they say, I can sin without Jesus. So why do I need Jesus to sin? If we're all going to sin, then let's stay without Jesus. Because we can do it better in the world. So, Jesus did not just come to forgive us of our sin. He came to take us out of the sinful nature of Adam and put us into His nature, which is Christ. And so the Bible says, if any man be 
in Christ, he is what? A new creation. So now we're no longer in Adam. Because in Adam all have sinned. If we stay in Adam, we'll keep on sinning, falling short, missing the mark, messing up, confessing and repenting over and over again. But only now we have a Christian badge. But what Jesus came to do was to take us out of Adam by crucifying us on the cross. The Bible says we're crucified together with Him. So what was crucified was the Adamic nature. So when Jesus died on the cross, the old man was crucified together with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. When he was buried, we're buried together with him. Praise the Lord. When he was raised up from the dead, we were raised up together with him. Only this time, Adam stayed in the grave. And that's why we are baptized in water. Because water baptism is about identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Symbolizing that the person I used to be, I am no longer that person anymore. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm a new creation now. I've been raised together with Christ. Now I'm no longer in Adam. Now I am in Christ. Tell your neighbor, I am in Christ. If, of course, you are in Christ, and I believe that most of us here would be in Christ, praise the Lord. Tell your other neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm in Christ. So I no longer identify with Adam. I identify with Christ. In other words, that's my new nature. That's where I live from. I no longer live from Adam which means my old nature, my personality, my background, my culture, my upbringing, my whatever. All of that stuff is in Adam. In Christ, I now put on Christ. And everything that belongs to Christ is now who I am. Now this is a process of growth. To walk into this and live this out day by day. And we call that spiritual maturity. Because a baby Christian is learning about this, does not know every much about who they are, so they're basically still walking according to Adam. They're still doing the same stuff a lot of times. Only thing is now they sense that something's not working, something's not right, but they, they, they feel they want to do better. But they, they need to come to church to hear the word, to know how to do better. And they're growing more and more in tapping into the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And they're growing more and more to tap into the grace that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as they learn to grow in the grace that is in the Lord Jesus Christ, they begin to manifest the character of Christ, His nature, and everything more and more consistently. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's called growing up. Coming out of Adam, entering into Christ as a daily lifestyle. We don't get there one day and we are all still growing in this thing, becoming more and more like Christ because we're tapping more and more into who and what He is because we are in Him. I, I, am I making sense to somebody here today? Amen. So, 
You and I are in Christ Jesus. Say, I'm in Christ. Say, Christ is in me. Alright, so you are not just, and we are not just ordinary people. This is one of the areas our minds must be renewed. We are not sinners saved by grace. No, because you're defining yourself by sin. You're defining yourself as a sinner. Once you define yourself as something, you'll never move away from it. You've already excused it in advance. So we're not sinners saved by grace. We were sinners. And now we are saints saved by grace. Saint means sanctified. It means separated. It means that we have now been made holy. Glory to God. So you're no longer a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner. Now you are saved by grace. And now we are growing in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And people can see more of Christ in you and in me as we access that grace that is in Christ Jesus. Can I hear you loud? Amen. Hallelujah. Galatians 2 verse 11 to 19. Galatians 2, 11 to 19. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I, un- I was... Uh, hold up. 11 to 19. Yes, okay. Let's jump down uh, to verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus. By faith in Christ Jesus. Can you say in Christ Jesus? Okay, let me illustrate this because I think it will help. You'd agree with me that this water is in this bottle. Are you? Are you? Are we agreed? Okay, it's in this bottle, and because it's in this bottle, it takes the shape of the bottle. And so, when we see ourselves as in Adam, let me get that other bottle right there. Thank you. The blue one. Yeah, just to make sure it's different. Let's say that this is in Adam. If you and I see ourselves as in Adam, we take the shape and the form and the nature of Adam. The color of the bottle becomes the color of the water. The shape of the bottle becomes the shape of the water. So, but if I'm in Christ, the same water can go to a different shape and have a different manifestation. In Adam, in Christ. In sin, in righteousness. Are you see are you following what I'm saying? So we need to have an identification sense that we're no longer in Adam. But now we are in Christ Jesus. It's crucial for us in terms of dealing with the realities of situations. Because when a situation comes to me, I have a choice. Why? Because I still have the memory of being in Adam. 
I still am in this flesh. And this flesh has a habit of what is always done. It's used to this form. And so whenever I'm faced with a situation, I have to now make a choice as to whether I'm going to deal with a situation in Adam or I'm going to deal with a situation in Christ. And based on what position I deal with the situation from will determine how I handle the situation. Okay? Let me give you an example of um, a temptation. So a temptation comes, let's just say, um, okay, and uh, you can name the temptation, doesn't matter what it is. Now, once the temptation comes, the enemy knows that you have a choice now as a believer to respond to the temptation in one of two ways. You can respond to the temptation based on your old nature, our old ways, our old habits, our personality, our upbringing, all of that. We can respond to it according to the flesh, as the Bible calls it, according to the old man. And the result of that is going to be sin. Because that is the nature of Adam. Okay, Whatever that sin is, it could be unbelief, it could be fear, it could be hate, it could be jealousy, it could be lust, it could be lying, it could be cheating, it could be whatever it is. But if I respond to that temptation according to the old man, naturally, naturally, I'm going to sin. But if I realize that actually I'm not in Adam, but I'm in Christ by faith... And I respond from Christ, through Christ, with the nature of Christ, I'm going to do what Christ would do. And I'll overcome that temptation. Does that make sense to you? Amen. So every situation we face in life, we're going to be faced with this choice. Paul says in Romans chapter 7. Okay, let's go there because I think this will help us. Romans chapter 7. Let's start at verse, uh, let's see, verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, You shall not covet. But sin, uh huh taking opportunity by the commandment, produce in me all manner of evil desire, for apart from the law, sin was dead. Hmm. I was once alive. I was alive once without the law. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Therefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Now this is deep. I'm going to need some help from the Holy Spirit to do this and explain this quickly and clearly, as clearly as possible. What Paul is saying is that the law is not your problem. The law was not a problem. He says then... Is the law sin? No. 
On the contrary, if the law was not there, I would not have known what sin was. I would not have known what not to do without the law. So there was a reason why the law was given. Alright? But then watch this. He says in verse 8, But sin. Now, where's this sin? Sin. He's not talking about sins. Sins are actions which are sinful. Sin without an S at the end is the nature of sin. Are you there? So there are sins when someone lies, someone cheats, someone hates, someone gossips or whatever. Those are sins. But those sins come from the nature of sin. Just like fruit comes from the tree. The fruit are the sins. The tree is the sin. You can cut off the fruit, but more fruit is coming. If you don't deal with the tree. So that's why we're talking here now. Paul says, sin, which is the nature of sin, taking opportunity, taking advantage of the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desire. Wow, this is heavy. Because what Paul is saying is that, you know what? Before there was a law, sin was dormant. But once the commandment came and said, thou shalt not, it activated sin. <laughs> Let me give an illustration of this. If you've seen a little child, a toddler, maybe, yeah, three, four years old, and then, you know, the toddler's just minding their own business playing. And then you say to the toddler in the kitchen, you see that cupboard down there? You see that cupboard? Uh-huh. Listen, don't you ever go in that cupboard. The child's there, uh-huh. You leave the room and you're peeping. <laughs> I don't care what the child is doing. They'll be looking to see who's watching. And they'll be looking at this cupboard, getting closer. See if there's anything inside. What's wrong? Eventually, it won't be long, they'll open that cupboard. The very thing that you said they must not do is the very thing that they're going to do. Why? There's a sin nature. Once you bring a commandment, thou shalt not kill, people want to kill. Once you say, thou shalt not commit fornication, people go crazy with fornication. Once you say, thou shalt not anything, sin, the nature of sin is a rebel. The moment you tell sin not to do something is the moment it will do it. Now you say, then why did God bring the law? If that was going to be the result of the law, that's not right. Well, the Bible says the reason why is because God wanted to show us our problem. Our problem was sin. Before we talk about prosperity, healing, deliverance, the real root problem of man was sin. And so God sent the commandment of Moses so that through the commandment people would sin more. Now that sounds like bad preaching, but it's exactly what Paul is saying. 
He's saying he wanted to sin so much until they realize that they are hopeless. You see, because if the law had not come, they would think, I'm cool. You know, I'm good. I don't need salvation. I'm alright. I got this. I got this under control. But God says, no, you don't. You've got a nature here oops, that I need to deal with. It's a nature of sin. And the only way you're going to see that you have this nature is I'm going to send laws to you. Thou shalt not, and thou shalt this, and thou shalt that. And the Bible says, watch this. <laughs> Verse 9. I was alive once without the law. In other words, I was good. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died now when he's talking about I died he's talking about the spirit man the one that wants to do good he said now when the commandment came sin was activated the moment God said don't do this is the moment I wanted to go do it because that's the nature of the rebel that we, that we have become because of the nature of Satan so now man is in the image of Satan who is a rebel, who is a sinner by nature, and we took on the nature of Satan without Christ, but God had to show us how bad the case was. And so send the law so that we can see the activation. It's like, okay, let's talk agriculture. It's like um, seed in the ground. You can have seed in the ground, but if there's no moisture... In the soil and the ground is dry, that seed will not germinate. You got me there. Alright, now, it's like this. Sin was always there from the Garden of Eden in man. But man was thinking, I'm okay. I can handle, I can handle myself. God says, no you can't. You have no idea of the seeds of sins that are in you. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to send the law. And the law is going to be water. Water is good. Water is healthy. But I'm going to pour this water on you. And as I pour this water on you, guess what? You are going to germinate sin. And sin is going to pop out from everywhere. And you're going to be covered with sin. Until you cry out to God. To sh- and, ha- and ask for help and say, wow, I did not know that I was so sinful. And I cannot stop sinning. Now you are in a position to cry out to God to deliver you from sin. Because the more you hear the word of God, the more you hear the commandment, is the more you sin. So Paul goes on. This is deep. (laughs) He says, And the commandment, verse 10, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. So the same water, which is for life, killed me. I'm dead. I can never meet up with the righteous requirements of God. Because now when I try to obey the law, I find that I can't obey the law. Instead, I'm going to do the opposite of the law. Watch this, verse 11. For sin, sin is an entity now. It's a nature. 
sin taking occasion or advantage of the commandment deceived me and it killed me. Sure. So now it's going back to Garden of Eden again. Garden of Eden stuff. Oh, if you, you know, you're not gonna be, you're not gonna uh, die if you eat this. If you don't do this, nothing will happen. If you, if you just, you know, don't let anybody know. Just do this. Nothing's gonna happen to you. And sin deceived me. Every time. Just, just a white line. No, it's, it's okay. Just, just a white one. Okay? And it killed me. Alright, so watch this. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin that it might appear sin was producing death in me through what is good. So what was good was the law. Don't let anybody tell you that the law is bad. See, it's a false doctrine to say that the law has no role in the believer's life. It does, in a, in a way, because it set the standard of what God wants. Okay? But the problem was to think that if we keep the law, then we're going to be righteous. We couldn't because of the nature of sin. So, so it says here, produce it death in me through what is good. Think of that water. So that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. So not only did I start sinning, my sins got worse and worse. I started off with light sin. I went to middleweight sin. And then I ended up in heavyweight sin. And went to hardcore sin. Even though I wanted to serve God. But because of this nature in me of sin all it can produce is sin so coming to church as a sinner makes me more sinful if I don't get born again I just threw something there coming to church as a sinner and not repenting from my sin makes me more sinful So, I must know that there's a problem in me. Not in the Word, not in the law, not in the church. The problem lies in me. I come with the problem. Alright, so, let's go on. Verse 14, For we know that the law is spiritual. Are you with me there? It's what? But I am carnal, sold under sin. My problem is that I'm a slave. I'm talking about an unbeliever now. Okay? The problem with unbeliever is that they're slave to sin. So even if you teach them the Bible, you preach to them, they're just going to get more and more sinful. Why? Because the nature of the commandment is to Activate sin until they realize that I'm a hopeless sinner. I cannot change my nature. I need to be born again. For what I'm doing, verse 15, 
I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. Now this is the dilemma of every believer. This is not just a person who's not born again. But this is the believer's life. That if we don't make a choice as to whether we're going to be in Adam or we're going to be in Christ, this is our lot. For what I'm doing, I do not, I can't understand it. I really want to live for God. I really want to do right. But what I will to do, what I want to do, that I don't practice. Instead, what I hate is what I end up doing. So I'm messed up. Now I'm condemned. I know I'm supposed to do this. I know I'm supposed to do that. I know I'm not supposed to do this. But the things that I am doing are doing the opposite. Why? Because I am still walking according to Adam. Watch this. Verse 16. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. Okay? So, yeah. There's things I want to do. I can't do them. I'm agreeing that the law is right. It's good. It's showing me the standard. Verse 17. But now it is no longer I. Write this. Underline this. It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So now I realize that the reason why I'm producing all this sin is because sin lives in me. It's in my DNA. Sinners are... Supp- uh, you should never be surprised if a person is not born again sins. It's in the DNA. The problem is when believers continue in sin. But an unbeliever is expected to sin just like a dog is expected to bark. So that's why I'm not surprised whether it's a politician, a business person, and I hear this scandal and that. Of course, what do you expect? Of course they're going to be corrupt. Of course. That should not be a surprise. Because it's just the difference in South Africa is that the media has uh, is, is, is got the liberty to expose stuff. In other nations, they don't have that, that, that liberty. In the United States, the United States will tell CNN and all so forth what they can report, what they cannot. They don't have a free media. So the corruption that's there, you think that America's less corrupt? No! It's just as corrupt as any other country. As a matter of fact, did you know only about four years ago that Germany passed any, any anti-corruption laws? Four years ago, Germany had no anti-corruption laws. Because they know it's normal. It's how things are done in the world. There must be something under the table. Somebody must be paid off. Somebody's palm must be greased. Okay? Now, so I'm saying that sin, you should not be surprised if a person that's not born again sins. Because that's exactly what's going to come out of them. It's natural for them to sin. 
What we want to happen, of course, is for them to be born again so they have a new nature now and a propensity for righteousness instead of sin. Can I hear your amen? All right, let's go on. Verse 17. We just read that. Verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Oh, Lord. So much for Ubuntu. Now, I agree with Ubuntu in certain aspects, you know, human, humanitarianism. Hum, but you see, many people believe in Ubuntu as a religion. Basically saying, if Africans were left to themselves, we'd be having a, a Wakanda by now. Okay? Wakanda. You know, that's from... Uh, um, yeah. We'd be having Utopia. If the whites left us alone, uh, it's a nice fantasy. But the fact of that is not true. We've been a mess of our own making. That's all. Why? Because human nature is not fundamentally good. Even if you left it to itself, and said, let's not mess with our culture. Let's go back to our culture. Let's do it the old way. Hey, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. It was not heaven. <laughs> okay? There was a whole lot of a whole lot going on back then when there was no whites, no European effect, whatever. The point is this, is that any Man, any human being left to themselves will self-destruct because nothing good is in this man. When, the, when Paul says that, it's not saying in the ultimate sense, there's still traces of good in man because the image of God is there. But what we need to understand is that no matter how much good in there, it will always be overpowered by the bad. So we can't go that route and say, no, just man, leave man to himself, get rid of religion, or, you know, when they mean the church, I mean the church. You know, just let man just find his own way, and then and, and, and let's just go back to our old ways, and, and let's just all love one another, and let's all wakanda each other, and let's all just kumbaya. It ain't happening. Because everybody, everybody is coming with a package called the nature of sin. And they're going to mess up the whole thing. Everybody's going to come with their own mess, their own issues, own problems. And we're going to have a royal mess. So, <laughs> for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. This is Apostle Paul, the Pharisee of Pharisees, okay? The Jew of Jews. Talking here. He's exposing stuff. If you really read between the lines, between the lines. He's saying, listen, I was there among the Pharisees in this religious sector called uh, Judaism. I was sitting under Gamaliel, who was a PhD in this thing. I saw a mess. Right there. Among these so-called servants of God. I saw all kinds of evil. That's why people hate religion, and you should hate religion. Because religion 
does not solve this problem. Religion covers it up and puts makeup on it. But the essential ingredient is the same. It's just sinful Pharisees, sinful scribes, sinful preachers, sinful apostles, sinful pastors, sinful deacons, sinful elders, sinful Christians filling the church. And what do we have? A nice, pretty mess. Beautiful mess. When I say a mess, I'm talking about what happens after the service. What happens on Monday? In the individual lives. Okay? Pretty service. Wonderful things. Beautiful decor. Lovely this, lovely that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But if this doesn't change... Let's go on. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me. I want to do what's right. I don't want to displease God. I want to do the will of God. I want to live a holy life. That will is present with me. But how to perform what is good, I do not find. How do I do it? How do I please God? How do I overcome sin? Temptations and all of that. How do I overcome this flesh? Hmm. So then, look at uh, verse 19. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. I told myself I won't gossip, but here I go again. I told myself I'll tell the truth, but here I am lying through my teeth. I told myself that I'm not going to look at that stuff on the internet, but here I am. The thing that I want to do, I don't do. But the thing that I don't want to do, that's what I'm doing. Verse 20. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Verse 21, I find then a law or a principle that evil is present with me. The one who wills to do good. Mm. So that evil is sin. It's a principle of sin that in the unbeliever controls them. But I'm going to get further to talk about the believer. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. My spirit agrees with the law. That I shouldn't do these things. I should not say these things. I shouldn't think these things. I should not want these things. But now, so I'm agreeing with the law that the law is good. For I delight with the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members. Working in me. Warring against the law of my mind. I want to do good. 
but there's a war in myself my members when we talk about the Bible talks about the members is talking about body parts bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members I'm done so what's the point of going to church because if I go to church it doesn't change I still continue to sin if I stay home I continue to sin so what am I going to do I read the Bible and I'm talking about a person that's not born again I still sin so he says <laughs> oh wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death now Paul saying something very very strong here he's saying I'm undone I'm a mess I try to serve God I can't I decide not to serve God I am miserable What do I do? He's, and the illustration here about who shall deliver me from this body of death. In the Roman Empire, which was the most vicious, that's why they crucified folk, they were the most vicious people ever known. When a murderer was caught, they had no time to be feeding a, mer a murderer in jail. No. You know, sentenced to 25 years. Never. Feed him for 25 years. Free accommodation, air conditioning, water, clothes, medical care, hospitals, doctors. For 25... No way. They had no time for that. You know what they did? They took that murderer and they took the corpse of the one they murdered. And they took chains and ropes and took the corpse and put it face to face, chest to chest, arm to arm, knee to knee, chained the guy to the corpse and said, you can go. Exactly. Can you imagine? Oh my God. Here is this corpse rotting, maggots, going in and out, nose to nose, mouth to mouth, eyeball to eyeball. And these maggots begin to enter into the living person. That's why they didn't bother, didn't chase him, did not police him, did not feed him, let him go wherever. Everybody's running away from this person. And so they go to the wilderness. Because where can they go? With a rotting, smelly, stinking corpse. And now the worms are working inside of that person. And now they're eating their face and their chest and their legs. And they are rotting while they are walking. Paul is saying, Oh wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? I want to be free from this sin. But it's eating me. 
I don't know how to get free from this and if this goes on, I am dead. Sure. That's pretty strong stuff. Mm. He says, Oh, but yes, 25. Hallelujah. I thank God. That gives me hope. So there's some hope coming. Hallelujah. He says, I thank God. Which means there's a solution here. I thank God. There's a way here. He says, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So I thank God there's freedom through, we're going to explain how, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So how, what, how does this work? We must remember in the original manuscripts there were no chapters, there were no verses. So you must always understand sometimes a chapter is there at an inappropriate place. This is supposed to continue without there being a chapter 8. Okay, it's just for ease of reference, that's why it was there. They are not anointed, chapters and verses. Okay. So here's the answer. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, verse 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to those, watch this, to those, watch this, to those, watch this, to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. How does this work? For the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death that is in Adam. Let me break it down for you. There are two laws here. We already know that in Adam is the law of sin. In other words, it's like gravity. Like it or not, I don't care how many resolutions you make. I don't care how many times an unbeliever goes to church. I don't care if they memorize the whole Bible. I don't care if they know all the songs in the church. I don't care if they take an office or a position in the church. I don't care if they call them an apostle or a prophet or a bishop. If they're not born again, they're going to produce more and more sin, worse and worse. Because there's a law here. It's the law of sin which leads to death. And Paul is saying that this is like a corpse on me. I wake up with this corpse. In the morning I smell the sin. I brush my teeth with this sin, with maggots in my mouth. I hear my everything about me is corrupted by this sin and there's no way for me to be free from this sin it will take me to the grave it'll take me to hell fire unless Jesus sets me free and this is how it happens what how it happens that I through Jesus Christ am crucified this old man gets crucified on the cross this old man is dead and buried. I get free from this thing. Glory to God. 
and then I have newness of life, and I now identify, oh help me Holy Ghost, and now I identify with being in Christ. Why? Because in Christ is another law. This law is the law of the spirit of life. There are two laws, a law of sin and a law of life. This law is called the law of spirit of life, which is Zoe life, or the God kind of life. This is the law of sin, which is Adamic life. And the only way I'm going to be free from the cycle of repenting and sinning and repenting and sinning is to stop identifying with Adam and begin to identify with Christ and identify with the life of God. Because now in Christ, watch this, God, by His grace, the grace of God administrates the Zoe life of God. Ooh, glory to God. The Zoe life of God is infused in through my spirit, through my soul, into my body, and those worms, those maggots of sin, those germs and viruses and toxins that had corrupted me are neutralized and pushed out of my system. And the chains are broken with that corpse. And I can walk in the newness of life in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And walk in victory over sin. Can somebody give God some praise up in here? woo Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, there's now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in. Ask your neighbor, who are you in? If I'm in myself, I'm in Adam. I'm in Christ. Hallelujah. You are in Christ. Glory to God. For the law of the spirit of life, which is the Zoe life of God, which is the administration or what comes from the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, He administrates, He releases His life, which is a life of righteousness and holiness. My new nature now becomes righteousness. My new nature becomes holiness. And so I become righteous by grace. And holy by nature. Woo-wee. Righteous by grace. Not by works. But because I'm in Christ, His righteousness becomes my righteousness. His holiness becomes my holiness. And you see, when someone is righteous and holy by nature, listen, it does not mean they will never sin. It means that if it happens, they can never be comfortable in sin. Because their nature is righteousness. Their nature is holiness. Hallelujah. They cannot rest in it. 
Because that's not your nature. That is why if you think a thought that's not right, you're like, oh God. But if a person is in Adam, they think like that all the time. If a person's in Adam, they sin and don't feel anything's wrong. They're not going to repent because it's their nature. They enjoy it. Christians may enjoy sin for a second, but after that, they're paying with condemnation, with guilt. Are you hearing what I'm saying? With shame, embarrassment, all of those things because it's not my nature anymore. I feel dirty. So I run to the blood of Jesus and ask Him to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I feel, oh, that's much better. Shoo. Right? Hallelujah. So a believer may sin and as we are growing in appropriating this grace, we learn like a child how to walk. And it's a beautiful thing. Those of us who have been parents or raised young children, that first day when that child stands up and and they stand on their home. And the child looks up. And you're like, oh my God, come, come, see, come, come on, come on, look, look, he's standing, he's standing. And then they start walking. And oh, you're like, oh, they took the first step. Oh, and then, boom. And everybody's happy. Everybody's rejoicing that this child. Why? Because this child wants to walk. The child knows this is my nature to walk. And so because I'm walking, I'm rejoicing, but I'm learning how to walk. And even if I don't walk all the time straight, but when I fall, I want to get up again. I'm not going to stay down there because it's not my nature to crawl for the rest of my life. I'm not a snake. I'm not a frog. I'm a human being. I'm supposed to be standing. It's my nature to stand. It's the nature of a believer to be righteous, to be holy, without blame before God. And so even if sometimes we end up in the wrong posture, we want to get up. Hallelujah. And say, Lord, I messed up again. I'm sorry, but I'm coming back to you again. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me to access the grace of God. Help me to grow. Help me in your word. Help me, Father God. I want to get this right in the name of Jesus. I don't want the sin in my life anymore but an unbeliever is saying hallelujah in sin they're happy in sin they're comfortable they're like what's the big deal really is it that bad you know it's not that bad everybody's doing it it's normal it's natural we're just humans why? Because they have not been born again. They might be religious. They might be in church. They might have grown up in church. But they never were born again. Can we stand and give God praise? Amen.
Give God praise if you got something this morning.